Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for the best church planning podcast that has ever existed anywhere. I wouldn't argue with you on that. As as you shouldn't uh, argue with me on that. And no. uh, we have been, we're, we're going to get to actually some church planning goodness uh, coming up in a bit. But before we do that, one of the things that Peyton and I have been doing for the last, oh, I don't know, three or four episodes are, uh, are 10 things that uh, kids today just don't know about that should. Is that the yeah. way to put it? Yeah. And, and just to say that my intern from Wales uh, did say to me, now, Peyton, you, you, you know, it was like he, he had an intervention with me, he sat me down and said, uh, you know, I love the podcast, right? But uh Smack Talk's gotten a little out of hand. Just got to let you know. Like it's going too long or he doesn't like the topic? <laughs> no, it was going too long. And uh, did you see that tweet the other day where the guy goes, uh, is this show actually about anything? No, I haven't oh, seen it. It's great. It, it could be like your YouTube podcast that you listen to. It, it, yeah. The, the YouTube podcast, which I do not recommend, um, which I won't even give you the title, but... Uh, they they talk for two hours, and it's supposed to be on each album, and they never talk about YouTube ever. <laughs> but the, like the name of it is a YouTube podcast, right? Yeah, it's it's got YouTube in the title, but uh, it really has little to do with YouTube, even their title. Dude, I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, do you have any um any things that we need to add to our ten list? Though I think we might no. even be over ten at this point, but. 
No, no, I don't actually. I, I, I mean, we could keep going. I mean, you and I could reminisce about the eighties, but that could be a whole show. We were actually watching some TV the other night and, um, something came up on the TV that I think she was watching. Uh, what's that show with the scene? I think it's American Idol. Is that what it is? I don't watch uh, that show. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not into that kind of thing. Too manly to know those things. I prefer people. to just read the Bible quietly in the corner. But um, I know there is a song that women and girly men like that involves uh, singing and dancing. There's a dancing one. And I think there's a bunch of dancing ones and there's a bunch of singing ones. But uh, yeah, they would, Sears would come and take my man card from me if I actually knew things about it. Well, I think they had a flash on the screen where somebody was like making a design on a light bright. Do you remember light brights? Oh, dude, yeah. Of course I know light bright. That was like our video game back then in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, video games. I still remember our smack talk on uh, the Atari 2600. And then the 7800 came out. And you were nobody wow. unless you had the 7800. But you don't even go there. That was short-lived. We were, we were, Jamie and I were watching TV together the other night because that's how we stay married. Some people talk. We watch TV. And um, apparently everyone's into this game called Halo. Now, oh, I'm not yeah. a gamer. Halo 5 coming out, baby. Yeah, here's the thing. I'm not a gamer, right? I worked for a video game company one time. And I thought, you know, I was going to try to get into video games because I worked for a video game company. I just can't. And the reason yeah. is, is I get too frustrated. I can't, I can't stand losing, right? So those video games today, like you got to know, like all these controls and, you know, forward, forward, back, back, side, side, left, right, A, B, A, B, A, B, you know, to like do something. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to learn any of that. And then the, the, the ones that are fun to me are when you can like play other people in other locations but we're talking about people that have nothing better to do than play video games. And they're so much better that I can't live like more than five seconds in any round. It's like, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm dead. I'm toast. I'm out. But yeah. We were, so I, I we played Halo TV and we saw people like, like show after show, they kept playing Halo. And yeah. I was like, maybe that's the game we ought to get. Like as a couple, we ought to play each other in Halo. Oh, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I I don't think that's a good couple. I I tell you how to get your wife into video games, Pete. How about how do you get me into video games? Okay, so here's what you do, right? Like on the video game, like if you if you have an Xbox, you can play all of the '80s things. So. Uh, my my daughter right now pretty much knows that Frogger is on there, Dig Dug, and Miss Pac-Man. And so she's always like, hey, Dad, let's play a video game. Now, I did buy her a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one, and we tried playing that where you can play like different turtles. Uh, and, and it's a modern game, but we got stuck, and I'm too stupid on video games to know what in the heck to do. So we're stuck in this like alley, and we can't get out. And, uh, so that, that didn't last long. I think that lasted all of like 45 minutes one night. And, so uh, I pretty don't much like a dollar it. a minute. Cause aren't games like 45, 50 bucks. Well, not if you buy them on, um, I think this one, we got it for like nine bucks or something, but we, um, yeah, we, we literally like, we, I'm ashamed. Like every time I have like shame when I log into this video game, cause I can't get us out of the alley. Huh? So they're hard, man. They're hard too. Frogger, you yeah. knew you just like, took the frog across the road and 
tried not to die. See, now, but you I, knew where you're going. I have the Wii, like not the Wii Universe or whatever the new one is. I have the original Wii because I thought it was so cool. And the game that I love to play, and I, I still love to play it, except you know I only do it when like people are around, is Mario Kart. That to me is oh. just fun. Yes. That is like the ultimate party game. Yeah. Hey, is it me, Mario? Yeah. So like every time uh, Jamie used to have these uh, Christmas parties at the house for her ice skating teams because she coaches uh, a synchro team and all the kids knew they come over and it's going to be Mario Kart for like, you know, the three hours that they're all over. And so my movie room gets taken over by all these little kids who are playing Mario Kart. That's still in their food all over my movie chairs. Very, very cool. Well, hey, in in interest of our smack talk not going out of control, should we jump in today? Why don't we? But uh, I am going to uh, play a little Yoda. Do I have Yoda? Where's my Yoda? Ah, there's Yoda. So we can give uh, credit where credit is due. Now, you aren't going to hear anything, uh, Peyton. So why don't you wait for me to say uh, you have the conch? Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> or should I just say MoGive? Because I think we all know who's going to be uh, sponsoring this I think so. episode. I think so. <laughs> all right, here we go. Oh, Yoda's not doing good. All right, Yoda's out. Why don't you do Yoda for us, Peyton? All right, all right. <clears throat> here it goes. And uh, guys, I know now we're going to get a bunch of people going, hey, I want more smack talk. So... <laughs> The only reason why I listen to the show is for the smack talk. Yeah, the church planting stuff. I got that. I got a church plant. All right. <clears throat> Sponsored by. Oh wait, what, what do I say? Again? <laughs> I don't even remember anymore. Okay, I right, just I'll just give Mogiv the okay. Sponsored by Mogiv. Today's show is. <laughs> <laughs> I want to like throw in a by Menin after that, but uh, yeah. M O G I I'm not afraid. Uh, you will be. I would just like to say this this is our MoGib commercial today. I would just like to say that if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you've heard that MoGib has been a faithful sponsor of ours. And if you haven't signed up with them yet, which isn't the sign-up free, Peyton? Or is there a fee involved to sign no, up? No, it's free. And it, it, it funny funny we're talking about. I just signed up uh, a church today to MoGive. And I went through the um, uh, the online uh, stuff to do it. It's really easy. You need an EIN, which is your uh, tax ID number. You need a bank account. You got to put a voided check on there. It's, it's super easy. And I'm going to say it's idiot-proof. Because if I could do it, you can do it. And you set it up, um, you just go to M, uh, you know, Mogiv, M, no e, M-O-G-I-V. <laughs> dot com, com forward slash choich. Choich. And uh, you uh, go on there and uh, they will they will hook you up. It is quick and painless. And then they send you like an electronic thing. You sign it. You could have online giving set up like, you know, five, ten minutes of your time. Um, the, the thing that took me the longest was looking for my EIN number. Um, I'm like, where is that thing again? And then, so anyways, I, I hooked it up and then they want you to, um, scan a voided check. So I did that and that's really easy, really easy. Yeah. And the thing is, there are a lot of reasons why you need to have this, especially in a church plant. But I mean, you and I were actually talking about this this last week that, yeah. 
um, it it makes the church's income much more stable when people are able to give electronically and automatically. So yeah. like they can set it up. I want to give weekly. I want to give monthly. You know, whatever it is that they want to give because most people are paid on a routine basis. Like unless you're dealing with entrepreneurs, self-employed, um, or the homeless, which like in our church, we've got a lot of homeless people. They're going to always probably give cash because our homeless people give. I mean, um, yeah. if you're not asking your people to give because you're like, oh, 40% of my crowd's homeless. I don't want to make them feel bad. You're doing them a disservice. Um, yeah. We had Gabriel uh, get on one of our jump school calls and throw the smack down on that. Um, but uh, but for people who have a typical job, uh, a lot of them like to pay electronically and they can just set it up and walk away and not even think about it. No. Okay. Well, you know, every week I've already done my tithe thing and, yeah. um, and that's the beauty of MoGive and you need to do it. And if it doesn't cost anything, why haven't you done it yet? Like seriously, go to MoGive.com well, forward slash church and do it. Yeah. And, and one last thing to that, we'll be uh, doing a vision meeting coming up um, April 12th for refuge long beach. So we've got, you know, I, I do this every once in a while just to kind of tell people about the DNA. It's kind of like a fun little party for the church. You know, we, we do have fun. We eat, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's not boring. But one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to hook up, um, you know, like the screen to the Internet because we've just now hooked up to this. We were always doing our online giving through the mothership and they do a completely different system. What's great about this is, is MoGive will actually tailor it to look like your website. Mm -hmm. So um, it will match the theme of your website. Um, you can go in. They've got great customers. So that's why I use them because I can literally pick up the phone and talk to someone and they help me right away. And awesome. so for techie stuff, that's what I care about. But anyways, I'll just I'll pop it up and I'll walk the whole church. Hey, guys, if you want to set up online giving and it's super simple to set up recurring giving, that's why I used them, ease of use and customer support. So I know that's a, a commercial forum, but heck, they're a sponsor. This is the commercial forum, but literally I'm just going through that now. So, yeah, cool. All right. Here's a little Doc Brown for you. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. And with that, uh, Peyton, you have the conch. Cool. All right. Well, don't give me that because you know I don't let go of it too too well. You got to pry my fingers off it. I am aware you are a pastor, and pastors cannot <laughs> shut up. A little something this I picked is a up beautiful, on. Beautiful, beautiful conch. It's my precious. All right. Well, hey, today's topic is discipleship, and you know, Peter, we were saying, have we talked about discipleship? I don't know that we have. Well, I think we've probably talked about discipleship in a roundabout way, like not as the uh, the main topic for the episode, but we've definitely talked about discipleship. Yeah. So like on a regular basis, I meet with uh, church planners. I, 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 you know, I guess you'd say I mentor them. Um, I, I talk with them sometimes. I just, you know, disguise what I'm doing uh, with, with those guises. But really, I'm just drinking coffee and hanging out. There just happens to be someone there. So I keep the ruse up. But when I meet with church planners, often what they want to what they want to talk about is how do how do I not just how do they, but they'll ask me, how do you disciple Peyton? And 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 it's a great question because there's tons of books. I mean, if you want to get published right now, just do like write something about discipleship. Right. It is it is the buzzword. It's, it's almost like the church suddenly discovered that people need to be discipled. 
And, and I think part of that is because you, you often reproduce what you are and what you know. And many of the guys today that um, are in leadership were not personally discipled. They were kind of turned out on their own and they did their own thing. And so discipleship is not in their wheelhouse because nobody, it, it, when you're discipled, you know how to disciple, right? And there are totally different ways of doing it. But I want to unpack what it is. And I want to talk about it from different angles. Um, I have three interns and I call them my barnacles because uh, they're following me everywhere right now. They're, they're actually getting discipled. But what uh, two of them are from, they're not in the peanut gallery today, uh, but they are, uh, I've got two from Michigan and one from Jersey, uh, New Jersey. And they are, they're literally unpacking the same question. And they're saying, what is discipleship? We start off with what is church? And we're working into what is discipleship? And they have the same question. Hmm. Yeah. So what is it? Well, that was easy, Pete. Um, well, I mean, let me ask you, like what, when you hear that word discipleship, what do you think? Oh, what do I think when I hear the word discipleship? I, (laughs) I think it's just a buzzword that people say that no one actually does. Okay. All right. That's a good, that's probably a good observation. Um, so, it, you know, when Jesus says in the Great Commission, he says, you know, go everywhere. And he never says make converts. He says make disciples. So hardwired into your church plant is the idea that if I'm going to plant, and we always talk about reaching the lost on this podcast, but I would say discipleship and evangelism are the same coin, but different sides. So when Jesus says, go into the world and make disciples, He's not saying um, make converts. And, and what we often focus on in evangelicalism is making converts. And um, making, uh, making disciples literally means to make people like Jesus. All right? I'm not making disciples of Peyton. I'm actually making little Jesuses. And that's what discipleship was. So I'm I'm gonna hold off because I got a lot to say and I could talk a lot on this, but uh, I'm gonna hold off. I'm gonna let you talk. I'm gonna leave breathing breathing rooms. I, well, I don't know that I have any comments to say on this. I mean, for me, it's more of a you know question: of what is discipleship? Uh, what does discipleship look like? I will say this: our our webinar that we did with Dave Ferguson. Um, I thought he got gave a lot of great insight on how discipleship plays out. I don't know if it was with New Thing or his church that he was talking about. Uh, do right. you remember? Um, you know, because yeah. I still remember the story he gave. You he know, was, he, yeah, he was he raised up a guy, and like they met every week for coffee at this one, you know, uh, place. And when he finally like set that guy up for him to be like out on his own, he walks in there next week and he sees that guy in there with his own guy. And he's discipling him, and um, you know the whole idea of of uh, duplication. And um, so, I mean, that's that's like the only image that I have of discipleship that that I can really, like really you know grasp onto is this idea of um, more or less pouring into someone, right? You know, um, absolutely on a on a spiritual basis of here's what all these things mean. I, I mean, that's, that's about that. That's about all I got. 
Yeah, no, actually, that's good. Pouring into someone. I mean, I, I was discipled. I think a lot of us, when we get discipled, we get discipled on accident, right? Someone mm-hmm. takes an interest in us and sees something of the calling of God on us or or just says, you know what, that maybe it's it was a, a guy at your church who just saw that um, you didn't have a dad or whatever, and he just goes, hey, you know, um, hey, why don't you come over and we'll work on the motorcycle or something. And I think a lot of discipleship uh, happens on accident, and it's when you come alongside someone. So if we back up, and but pouring into each other, that that's a that's a big deal. If we back up and go and put it in its biblical context, and look at what it actually meant to them, we can work backwards and then figure out what it should mean to us today and what it should look like. Because I think when people are saying, "How do I disciple?" What they're really saying is, I'm reading this word in the Bible that doesn't really seem to be a part of our culture today. And what would that look like today? What what would it look you know, like like no one just comes up to you and goes, Hey Pete, I'm gonna disciple you when you want to do it. Yeah, right? and but I you know, something you said earlier I think is part of the problem. You said oh, most of the time people get discipled accidentally. Yeah. And I think that's a problem. I think it is. I think it, it needs to be much more um, non-accidental, for lack of a better term. I mean, it needs to be intentional. Look, yes. you know, I led you to Christ. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pour into you. I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm just. Yeah. That might almost be too much because you know, what if you're the no. evangelist and you're leading a hundred people a month to Christ? I mean, well, here's the thing, right? The evangelist is just. You know, like Ephesians 4, where it says the evangelist is there to equip the saints. You know, Jesus gave an evangelist to equip the saints. So um, he's given shepherds, and they they really specialize in discipleship. I mean, it's their specialty. If you want to uh, learn discipleship well, like from a master, you go to a, a shepherd, right? But everybody, kind of like when you say if you want to learn evangelism, tell an evangelist. But everybody ought to be engaged in it. Um you know, uh, teach, you know, if you want to learn teaching and expositing, follow a teacher, but everybody ought to be teaching according to scripture, right? Older men teach the younger, um, older women teach the, the, the younger women in Titus, um, teach one another is one of the one another statements. So we're meant to be doing all of these things together. Discipleship is hardwired. I mean, really hardwired into the scripture. I mean, it's, it's just there all over the place. But like I said, it should be intentional. And so let's look at kind of what it looked like in its first century context and then kind of work backwards. So when when Jesus, you know, walked the earth, um, he walked the earth and he was called a rabbi. And a rabbi, and, and a lot of this, by the way, if you really want to kind of tap into what I'm saying, I don't want to rip off the guy I learned this from. I've seen other guys ripping him off. Um, but he was a, 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 a biblical scholar by the name of Ray Vanderlaan, and he did a, a series of, of videos with Focus on the Family um, years ago. And don't you know, Focus on the Family now isn't cool, right? Like you can't talk about Focus on the Family uh, nowadays because it's not cool. Young people don't dance to it. But the reality is, um, this series is amazing. And I, I'm trying to remember what it was called. Um, hold on one sec. I, if I just lean over here, I can tell you. It's apparently uh, buried deeper than I thought. But um, I think they were called, oh, shoot, maybe something like Life Lessons. But anyways, 
all you got to do is Google uh, Dust of the Rabbi. And that was one of the series. There's a big series and one of the mini series called Dust of the Rabbi. And what he talks about is that the, uh, the, the whole term of discipleship literally meant student. And your rabbi, rabbi means teacher. And so what you would do in the first century is you would study as a child in the synagogue. And at a certain age, I can't remember what age it was, it was quite young. Um, if you showed an aptitude, you would continue school. And the British, you know, European systems in school are still like that today. If past 16, you're a flunky, man, you don't go on. You got to work hard to go straight to college, right? Not everybody just gets to go. And so uh, what happened was um, most kids, you know, kind of flunked out. They didn't end up going to uh, the, the next stage in their training, religious training. But what happened with, um, uh, so like, you know, what, what happened is you would go on with your training and then um, eventually, because you had mastered the, the Torah, you had, you know, you, you had studied so much, you would go on usually to Jerusalem and most of the rabbis were there. And so that's why Paul went there or Saul of Tarsus. Um, he had showed aptitude in the synagogue and he went and you would get chosen. You would go there and you would learn in Jerusalem and you would, you would get chosen by a rabbi. Um, you would follow a rabbi and, and you would, um, you would choose which one that you were going to follow and he would have to choose you in return, but it would usually be because you were a stud Hmm. and the disciples. What's interesting about Jesus is Jesus comes and he picks guys who would have like almost kind of flunked out of synagogue at the young age. They weren't gifted enough to go on for religious training, but he turns around and he finds, you know, fishermen, tax collectors, he finds them plying the, the family trade. In other words, they were like ministry flunkies. And I have found this to be so true in church planning that other people's rejects become rock stars in my church. It's like David's mighty men, right? All Everybody else's castaways and throwaways become our star players. And so Jesus, you know, he says, hey, did I not pick you? You know, uh, normally they would, you would pick a rabbi that you really admired and you'd follow him and he would pick a few select that could, could, he would actually train and pour into, but Jesus picks them, you know, they're not even looking for him and he picks them. He pours into them for three years. And during those three years, they eat together. They, they sleep in, under the same roof or, or maybe outside. Um, you know, they, they eat the same food. They, they cook around the same campfire. And during that time, it wasn't just about the teaching that you were getting from the rabbi. It was also his life. So when Paul writes, remember Paul had studied under one of the most famous rabbis that ever lived, Gamaliel, right? Um, In the Jewish church today, they still quote him uh, from the Talmud. Um, He he was a star player. And Paul was kind of like the the up and coming um, rabbi that we may have quoted in future. Um, he He was a rising star. And uh, he says, hey, he actually well, boasts. Well, we do. Things. We do quote him. Let me just throw that out there. That is true. But <laughs> but I mean, you know, he might have been quoted in the Talmud, um, had his path, you know, verged a different way. But, um, you know, he actually says at one point, hey, you know my manner of life when I was among you. He constantly says, imitate me, imitate me. That's the the language of a rabbi. 
And that's someone who's used to spending loads of time with people, not just teaching them principles, but sharing his life with them so they can see his manner of life, how you live. And so um, when, when they asked Jesus, how should we then live? Um, that was uh, almost like a, a cry, like, how do we become like you? Right. It wasn't just like, hey, Lord, you know, how do I get through an ordinary day? You know, like we think, how do I live? We get the self-help book for them. It was this cry of we want to be like you. Show us, you know, teach us how to be like you. You're, you're like nothing we've ever seen before. And so what Jesus did is he picks these guys up. And, and this is important to note when we're talking about discipleship there, it can't just be teaching. We think we get together and we teach somebody and that's discipleship right? So we have this in, in the West, we have this, if I give you information, you will be discipled. So you see that in church, people go, oh, well, you, you come and listen to the teaching and preaching, and that should change you. And particularly in reform circles, preaching and teaching are everything, right? And so people get a head full of knowledge and their lives often don't change. And we call that discipleship. You're discipled by the word. I, I've heard pastors constantly say, I disciple people from the pulpit. And it's, and it's not accurate. It's, it's, a, it's a partial truth. But if all you're doing is teaching at people, um, that's one piece of what Jesus did with these guys. It's one ingredient, one component. I, I Actually, I've never heard a pastor say that, but I could so see pastors saying that. Yeah, and it depends on what circles that you've been in. But but there's three elements, and I say three, right? This is like the Spanish Inquisition. No one expects discipleship. There are three elements. Oh. <laughs> um, number one, I, I crack myself up. A little Monty Python coming in there. Um, the, uh, the first uh, thing is teaching. And so constantly, right? If, if I wrote a book called, you know, The Master's Plan of Discipleship. Oh, wait, that's been written already. Robert E. Coleman. Um, but if I wrote a book that was like, hey, this is how Jesus did it, it would include these three. And I'm just going to confess right away. Lots of guys are writing stuff on discipleship. I'm sure guys are digging up stuff that I haven't even begun to think about. But I can see three in the scripture. Maybe there's more, right? So if you come up with a fourth one, let me know. Um, but number one, teaching. Um, so he teaches them. And what he's doing is he's changing the way they think. I think that any, any rabbi, you know, where, where we get the idea that we teach and that's enough and people should change, is it hardwired into the scripture is the idea that the truth itself will change you, right? So, so but, but it's not in a vacuum. So, yes, you will know the truth. The truth will set you free. Paul links heavily this idea that um, right thinking leads to right living. If you think rightly about Jesus and your life and all those things, um, you know, you unpack the, the life and teachings of Jesus. Um, that has what we call application. Those principles have application that affect and change the way you live. But um, that's only one piece of it. The, the way that people really change and, and are almost, I would say, forced to live out the teachings of Jesus are in community. And so community is another, uh, in fact, every word that I'm going to use as a buzzword today, because again, this is like the Ark of the Covenant that the church has unearthed and said, look at this super weapon we found, you know, we can destroy the world. <clears throat> I mean, save the world with this. 
but uh, you know, the, the idea of community um, is that community forces you to change more than almost anything else. And the reason I say that is that um, years ago, I was an Old Testament teacher. Um, I, I taught uh, intro to Old Testament year one and two uh, in uh, the UK. And so I was at this university. There, was, there were residences there. And um, there would be like anywhere from like 60 to 100 students at one time. And uh, they, would, they would come through. And I, I remember the first year that they did the award ceremony at the end of the year. I expected them all to go up and talk about how brilliant my class was and how it changed their life. Because all the graduates got, I think it was like two minutes to, to say about their experience. And I waited all night. And not a single one of them went up there and talked about how awesome my class was. And I was very scandalized by this, very troubled. But uh, I'm only teasing. But the reality is what they all talked about, and, and they started crying, was they talked about how when they got there, they were super selfish. And, you know, they, they, they had attitudes and they had things about them that weren't very pretty. But when they were put in the pressure cooker of having to live with other people in dorms and halls and share a kitchen with other students, um, that who they really were started coming out. And there was nowhere to run. There was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to hide. And, um, and, and of course, then they started talking about the only other option was to change. And. And I think that when you spend a little bit of time with people, um, you can get away with faking. You can put your best behavior on for a little bit. But when you're living all the time with people, there's, it, it, you can't. You can't keep the front up. The mask will come down. Who you really are will be seen. And you change. You don't just modify behavior. That's what we do when we spend a little bit of time with each other. We modify our behavior. Oh, I don't cuss when I'm around these people. Okay, modify my behavior. But when you're living around them nonstop, then life change happens. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. So the, the, the real question is, in a, and when we talk about community, I would say it's time. It's, it's spending time together. So a lot of these words are like, you know, just like discipleship, you can use it. No one knows what it means. Um, and then, you know, uh, community, the same, no one really knows it's spending time together. The more time equals the more community. It's that simple. Well, is it like, uh, you know, a one-on-one Bible study or is it just being a friend? Okay. So that, that's a good question. So, um, for for the the community it would it would be like it, let's go back to um where Jesus was um you know it was he was living around the clock with these guys now i have here right now the barnacles and what's really interesting about them it, and i call them the barnacles but um it's Jerry Jason and Emily and uh they said look we want to come and learn from you we've read church zero um, we listen to the podcast. We want to learn from you, but watch Pete's TV. <laughs> so <laughs> I think you got to tell people how they got the term barnacle. It, well, that's it. It, it, you know, I was looking at how I was going to call them. I'm like, are they my posse or are they my, they're not my students. They're not really, I don't feel comfortable calling them my disciples, you know, because they're Jesus' disciples. The end of this time, I want to be like Jesus, not like me. 
but um but i'm like do i call them my interns and uh and interns they're not working for me right it's different if a guy's working for me like barry he works for us so we call him an intern right but uh but the um uh, these guys they're here they're literally here to learn and so one of them's going on to Brussels with serve the city the other two aren't sure yet i i have secret plans and designs but at the end of the day uh they came out and said we want to learn from you and i said well look i can ship you up to la and we have you know four church plants going up there and you you'd be very welcome to to you know you'd be busy and they said no we want to learn from you and I said, well, the thing is, is, you know, I'm, I'm coaching church planners in San Diego and we're starting up the, the church planning train station, which is going to be a hub. Um, but I'm not actively church planning during this second. Um, I'll be, I'll be kind of spreading myself between a number of church plants apostolically so that I can help these other guys and be available. And they just said, no, that's okay. We'll do what you do. So everywhere I go, if I go to a meeting, the barnacles are there. If I'm writing uh, my next book, I think you need to tell how they got the term barnacle. Well, because they're attached to me. <laughs> it's just, that's, that's what it means. It means literally they just go, no, we want to learn from you. And, and it was so cool because I thought, man, if they follow me around, they're going to have these high expectations. Um, but I can't give them a church plant right now. Like I cannot, I'm just getting started in uh, San Diego. And so, um, they're like, no, we don't care. We want to learn from you. And so it's that personal thing. And that's, so that's what they say at the beginning, by the way, not at the end. Well, what, what's amazing is I, I thought that would bring with it very high expectations. I mean, I've kept them busy. Don't get me wrong. We, we put on in the first two weeks, we got back from Virginia. One of them met me there. And then um, we got back to California. And I think in the first two weeks, we put like 1,500 miles you know, on the odometer because we were just all over the place. I, I just happened to have tons of places to go, people to train, you know, whatever. And we were just going like crazy. And, um, and so this, this, uh, this week we did something called a cage match, which was, um, we lock ourselves in a room with a whiteboard or in my case, a chalkboard. And we unpacked what is church. And we looked at things like, who are we identity, um, the, the link between your identity and your calling, the link between your calling and, uh, your outworking, uh, of mission. And we looked, we looked at, we just unpacked it and we're still, um, we talked about the equipping process. What are we there to do? Um, how do we get there? How do we change the system? It was awesome, but that would, we called that the cage match, you know, it's kind of like Thunderdome, you know, two men in or one man leave, you know, we're locked down, we do this thing. It's just, you know, a punching, kicking, you know, uh, working it through until we get something useful on the other side. And that's part of the teaching. But earlier in the morning, before we did that, I was meeting with a, a young guy who's going into church planning. And the teaching there is funny because he works with a lot of young people. And we made the distinction that we're not called to make converts. We're called to make disciples. And so I've been kind of teaching him that, look, you're meeting with a lot of young, unbelieving kids, um, like high school kids. Why don't you um, just start discipling them? And so he was like, well, but they're not saved. And I said, well, that doesn't matter, actually. Um, you, you disciple them the same. And so yesterday we did some role playing 
and they all pretended they were the kids and we were sitting in a McDonald's and I told them this is what I would do. And we, we ran through it and I literally was training them how to disciple unbelieving kids, you know, that you're, you've got relationship with and you're meeting with on a regular basis and um, boom, boom, boom. That's what we did. So that was the teaching aspect. But what we're talking about with them spending time with me is the community aspect. And so they are there. There's times I kick them out. Like when my daughter gets home, I need to focus on my daughter, you know? Um, and, and I've had to explain to them and they're cool with that. I just say, look, you know, um, Paul says when you're married, you got that tension. We've had them over for dinner. Um, you know, they, uh, they, they've been brought into a lot of our, our, our family things, but not everything because there's times where, you know, like the wife and I need time and, you know, and, and, and that's normal. Even Jesus went away, you know, but there's this idea of community that you will learn from me. You'll learn from my way of life. We've taken walks down the beach, talked about struggles, personal struggles, and that's just part of that community. And that's where the change happens. When you talk about your struggles, you always bring up me, don't you? You know, I, I usually preface it by saying I don't normally have any struggles, but a couple of years ago, <laughs> I got a chronic struggle. <laughs> hey, we didn't talk about that phone message I, I left you. <laughs> no, it was hilarious, man. I, uh, I, I, was, I, I knew it wasn't really throwing you under the bus because I knew you wouldn't care, but I took that phone message and I shared it on Facebook for the whole yeah, world so if, to listen to. If you want to hear a, a, a funny phone message, I sang it, Pete. It was pretty good. I made it up right then. It yeah, bad. it was impressive. And I played it for Jamie, and she goes, it's no wonder you two are friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so I thought you Bonimo's know, response was the best. He goes, I couldn't help but just, I couldn't stop laughing or something like that. Bonimo would. You know, Bonimo and I are wired. Our sense of humor, like whenever I think something's funny, I automatically know Bonimo's going to appreciate it more than anyone else out there. He's like my humor twin. Nice. So, but uh, but anyway, so the third component is, and and how much time do we have left, Pete? Oh, we got plenty of time. Oh, do we really? We, we didn't do we, much we, smack talk. No, we. You're didn't used to compressing right. everything into about twenty minutes. <laughs> I talk like that guy on the micro machines, and towards the end, I'm like, because I know I'm trying to cram it in. Remember micro machines? Dude, yeah, totally. Jamie doesn't understand how. Um, when I listen to podcasts, I listen to them at one and a half to two times speed. <laughs> She's like, how do you do that? And I'm like, what do you mean? How, how can you not do that? Like, why would I want to listen to it at regular speed? I, I want to just hurry up and consume it. See, but I don't do that. Like, I really? have podcasts where I listen to and they're just so funny that, you know, and enjoyable. I just want to, I want to hear the guy's tone of voice. Well, it's probably because most of the podcasts I listen to aren't you know, comedy podcasts. Yeah, I guess. They're just fact. They're like fact disseminators. They're serious podcasts, like how to be a church planter, how to be hardcore church planting, you know, stuff like that. I got to say, our hardcore church planting podcast, that's, that's dude, we're getting a lot of positive comments about that. They are good, man. Well, you know, we said before, because we're not talking. This, this, by the way, is how I disciple. I disciple via podcast. Hey, good, Pete. Good. But uh, Vince Antonucci and David Achata, we I told everyone those are two of the best interviews we've ever done. And yeah. those just came out over the last couple of weeks. And um, 
In fact, I think what we're going to do is I think we're going to transcribe the Vince Antonucci one so we can give that away. We'll ask Vince for permission to uh, to give that away, and I'm sure he'll be cool with it. And, yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, because he's just cool. But, yeah, they, uh, you know, and they're all cool. And we're, you know, David Achada is from Soma. Um, Vince Antonuccio, uh, Antonuccio. Hey, it's a me, Antonuccio. Um, <laughs> with Splagna. <laughs> with the Splagna. Um, yeah, no, Vince Antonucci. Man, that would be so great to make uh, Mario Kart characters of, of podcast guests <laughs> on Photoshop. But uh, yeah, so uh, Vince Antonucci is, um, he planted a church on the Strip in Las Vegas. So, Well, it's not um, on the Strip, but. Oh, now you dashed my. Uh, I've been to it. It's not on the Strip, but it's, there's, there's, there's like five churches within that, you know, whatever it is, 11 mile circumference. Yeah. And, um. There's a quarter million people. I mean, there's like no churches. And the biggest part is because the strip is part of that circle. But they're not man. I don't I don't even think you could afford anything on the strip. Like you know, and I get mad, man, because I look at stuff like that. I know we gotta go to our third point here, but don't worry, listeners. I, I have not forgotten. I'm just This I got is what happens when Pete doesn't get enough smack talk at the beginning. He will Short seek to derail theater and never coming back. Short attention span theater. Remember that? that mm. That's like us. And and so here's the deal is that uh, uh, I, I looked at this map from a church planting network. Uh, and they're one of these ones that will fund you. And I looked and they're like, these are all of our churches. And I looked and all of the areas were um, more affluent areas. And that just drives me nuts. I know particularly when we first started a podcast, I used to bang this drum all the time. but they're like Long Beach, not a single church plant there. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Like Long Beach, Long Beach and LA were like almost, LA was almost completely empty. Um, there, there were other places, nicer places, more middle-class, more fluent, but, uh, man, we just so need to go. I was in my sinning church the other day and I got a little bit on my soapbox. I was talking to one of the pastors there. And, uh, and he's sympathetic, very sympathetic to this. <laughs> I ended my comment by saying, and that's why I'm not good speaking to churches and I'm better speaking to church planners because I started going off about, Hey, you know, we're on this corridor. Uh, they are, um, like the, the man broken down by the side of the road, you know, on the, on the road to Damascus. And, uh, we're, we're just walking by Stanton. Um, and, and I went on a little rant, I got to confess, but, uh, yeah, churches don't want to go into areas like that. So listen to that. Well, podcast, I don't know guys. that churches don't want to go into areas like that. I don't. I mean, certainly there are some churches that don't. They may right? want to, but they don't do it. Well, they don't do it because it's like, well, you know, how do we run our church here and go over there? There's no one here that seems to want to go. Yeah, they should listen to the Church Planner podcast, Pete. They should. They should be. <laughs> and it should be, be hardwired into the DNA of their church, and they would be pushing people out to areas like that. I mean, what is it, uh, Rick Warren? They've sent missionaries to every country on the planet. Yep, from their church. Mm-hmm. No other denomination had ever done that, and then their church—not a denomination, their church—did it. It was yeah. the right DNA. They hardwired that into the uh, the culture of the church. I just got a. Uh, there was a church planner that I helped train years ago at this month long training thing we did. Um, and he called up this week and he was like, Hey man, you know, I want to do this, that, and I can't say what it is, but 
he's getting ready to do something radical. And he was like, are there any books on this? Are there, is it? And I was like, no, no nobody talks about serial church planning. You have actually, books he, on this. Uh, you'll be writing the book after this. I will be right. Well, Not I'm, I'm actually I mean, writing him, the book. him from doing it. No, no, I will write the book, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> because if I mentored actually, him. I told him how to do it. Yeah. No, if you actually go to, um, okay, I haven't, I haven't told people about this website, but if you, uh, one of the publishers got back to me and said, man, I, I see all this stuff that you're, you're, um, you're uh, involved in. Can you put it all, all in one spot? And you remember this, Pete. I got all excited when I found out that the domain name .ninja came up. So I'm like, Ninja Church Planning. That's the book I'm writing. So I, I made a site called Peyton Jones because .com is like some new age chick and .org is like some like computer scientist. So I'm like, eh. But I, I was like, Peyton Jones .ninja. There you go. And Pete's like, oh, I'm buying a Ninja site too. So you bought a Ninja site. I did. Right? I did. I think I'm Pete Mitchell .ninja, but I haven't set it up yet. There's nothing on there. So anyways, I got, if you go to PeytonJones.ninja, that's all the stuff I'm involved in. If you're like, dude, I can't keep track of this dude. All that stuff is on there, and it was put there for, for publishers. I don't know if they take me serious because it's all about ninjas, but uh, church planning ninjas. But you can download uh, a taste of the book that I'm writing um, on ninja church planning, and it's about this. And uh, if you, um, yeah, you just get a free copy of the book. $3.99 value on Amazon.com. <laughs> so the third component. Should I go to that, Pete? Absolutely. All right. Third Let's component. bring it back around. Time? Huh? Bring it back around. We're coming in for a landing. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Buckle your seatbelts, everyone. Please return to your seats and uh, put your chairs in the upright position. We'll be approaching the airport here. But the third point is mission. And mission is, you know, that's the third way disciple people. So let's say I'm spending time in community. Um, one of the biggest criticisms right now of the missional movement is that the missional movement has been uh, equated with home studies. And, and many of them have become insular. We just do life together, man. You know, we just, we just do life, you know, just do life together. It's like doing life, but not alone, together, you know, and, and <laughs> you're like, okay, and, you know, um, but but the, the that is what many guys have and I and I've gotten calls on this from people. Hey, we're in a missional community and we're stuck. And and that's not popular to talk about because if you don't include mission in your DNA, then you've got a problem. And so when we look at discipleship, you can't just teach people and call that discipleship. Mm. You can't just spend time with people and call that discipleship or just spend time in community. You have to also go on mission uh, with someone to be discipled. So like when I got saved, um, the, the guy led me to Jesus on a Thursday night. And, uh, you know, uh, so we had like the come home to Jesus meeting Thursday night. Then we had to go take Jesus to everyone else meeting Saturday morning. He calls me up on Friday and goes, hey, you know how you got saved last night? I'm like, yep. And he's like, well, tomorrow morning we're going to go hand out tracks and go to the beach and tell people about Jesus. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, man, let's go out. Let's go out. I want you now that you've told us, you need to tell other people, you know, now that you, now that I've told you. And he's like, and he started laying the guilt on, but nicely. He's like, I mean, what if I hadn't told you there's people out there just like you. And actually something clicked. I went, really cool. Let's go do it. You know? 
And so he chucked me out on the beach and I was so scared, man. Like I didn't, I, I didn't care. Like if anyone, it was just girls, like those are the only ones that I was scared of talking to, but, um, it was awesome, man. And, and that changed me that the, one of the very first things I did was I was taken out on mission and Jesus did the same thing with the 12. He had taken them around. They had been at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. They were a part of filling up the jugs with water. Um, they had, uh, been with him on the beach, uh, with John the Baptist. They had helped John the Baptist a bit. They had done some stuff. They had traveled with him. They had been to the synagogue with him. Um, but all of a sudden Jesus goes, right, it's time for you guys to go now. And so, you know, he had, he was constantly trying to get them to do the stuff he did. Um, when they go, Lord, um, these, you know, the people are hungry. He goes, you give them something to eat. He was always trying to get them to do what he did. And then he leaves on the promise. You can do greater works than, than I've done. And so Jesus knowing that is working backwards from that, right? From what he knows they're going to be like when he sees um, Peter and he goes, you men call you Simon, but I tell you, your name is Peter. He's already seen the leader that Peter's going to be. And he's working backwards from that. He's giving him more and more responsibility. And anyways, he sends them out on mission. I'll, I'll come back to that in a second because that's really important. But um, he sends them out on mission. And so they're always doing stuff together too to reach others and to broaden the, the, the borders of the kingdom. And I think that's important. If, if you're not on mission, you can meet with someone over coffee. But if you don't have them actively doing mission with you, you're not discipling. Maybe that's the differentiation then between just hanging out as friends and discipleship. Yeah. So, so what I would do, right. As I would, I would spend time with someone, you know, um, I would, uh, invite them to do things with me in ministry. If I'm going to go do something, I invite them with, Hey, come with me. Let's go do this together. And then I start letting them do stuff while I'm doing it. Right. I share stuff with them. So uh, a case in point, just Sunday morning, Sunday morning for me, is mission. Uh, I, I was ta talking with my barnacles yesterday and I said, here's the deal. Uh, we were talking about all the stuff that happens in our home groups. And then one of them said, well, why Sundays then? And I said, I do Sundays because to me, it's public ministry. The early church met house to house, but they also met in temple courts and that's ministry in public space. So I said, what I'm doing with my church on a Sunday is I'm tricking them. I'm actually, they think they're going to church. I'm actually tricking them. I'm taking them on mission. And that's how I'm, that's one of the ways I, I'm discipling them. And I can honestly say that everyone who's in that church who stayed, because <laughs> there's some people, I don't want to be discipled. I just want to go and attend a church and watch. But if you're at that church, you've gotten discipled and you've changed because you've been on mission. Do you think, I mean, does that church still go on mission? Yeah, I guess not, because they do um, the the lunches every uh, month. Yeah, well, I would, I would say just doing the, the style of church that we're doing on Sundays is already mission. If we took the breakfast away and we took the groups away, we'd just be a church service. I see. And that would suck. And, and not only that, but the neighborhood ring, right? We are in a neighborhood churches don't want to venture into, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we do happen to be next to a church, but that that church was built almost 100 years ago. So, you know, that was back when the city was developing. We're downtown. 
And but you know, by and large, I mean that area. It's we it's showed up. Uh, I think it was it was either this last Sunday or two Sundays ago. I don't remember. And um, as soon as we like got to the, there's this front area uh, in front of the auditorium, basically where we serve breakfast. And there was a huge line for people to get breakfast. Yeah. And we're not, I mean, Jamie and I were like, wow, did we just explode all of a sudden? Cause like we didn't recognize anybody in the line. It's that barbecue. It it had to have been, right? Maybe that was the week before. I think it was. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, didn't recognize most of the people. Most of the people definitely looked homeless or um, a couple of people definitely looked high or yeah. something. I mean, I don't I don't know what was going on with them. And we're like, oh, yep, that's uh, that's Refuge Long Beach. This is this is us. And, uh, and that's the deal, you know, we, we end up, um, you know, we, we end up going on mission in that park. I mean, it, it costs us about, let's see, do, 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 um, about three to $4,000 a year. And we're a small church. So it's like, that's a big part of our budget. Right. But we end up going and doing that every month. And, um, one of the guys, uh, Steve, who runs a barbecue, he told me, man, so many people were there that I, cause he personally talks to them on the grill when they come through, he's at the end of the line and he's got the meat and he's like, he meets everybody and he wants it that way. That's what's changed him is having conversations with people while he's cooking the meat and he can't talk to everybody. There's hundreds of people coming through there, but that dude, when I get there, he's like, bouncing off the ground he's so happy hmm. because the lord's just used him and he's got this joy on his face and you know this guy was quiet he's a fence salesman super quiet dude but all of our people man anybody who's actively engaged in the mission um they just they come back like the disciples where they're like lord you know it says that they're just overjoyed when they come back you know they go out scared they come back overjoyed and what they keep saying is the demons listened to us. People were healed. They're amazed that God used them. And that's the goal of discipleship is to get people thinking like Jesus, getting people looking like Jesus, and getting people acting or ministering like Jesus. And those three things, that connects to the teaching is thinking like Jesus, community is uh, uh, looking like Jesus, and mission is um, ministering like Jesus. Hmm. And, and, and if you can do those, those things as a church, then you're discipling. There's a way to do it on a, on a macro level. And this is important to know. Discipleship happened in three different ways. Um, there was the public ministry to the crowds. Then there was the 500, if you remember, um, that followed Jesus. Right? We see them particularly after his death and resurrection. Um, so you see those 500 and they're, they're called his disciples, right? Um, then there were the 72, um, who, who went on mission, but then there were the 12. And then lastly, there were, uh, the three James, John, and Peter, who are the ones who we read about acts, everybody else. We don't read about them anymore, but we read about those three. And that's the reason why is Jesus poured more into them. So understand you're never going to be able to pour into everybody equally. And I have these same distinctions, um, not purposefully, but it works out quite naturally. 
that there will be a, a handful that you pour into big time. And those are going to be, for me, it would be like my, uh, my Charlie, my, my Ruben, you know, my Pete Mitchell and, uh, <laughs> just teasing. but, uh, you know, I laugh because, you know, we're friends. Like I would say we're friends first. We just happen to be involved in the same church. Right. And, uh, you know, you have the unfortunate, uh, lot fall to you that I, I get to be your pastor. Right. Yep. Where'd you go? Nope. Right here. Talking in the podcast? Uh, I was actually tuning you out. <laughs> I was talking about you. That was your golden moment. That was your chance to shine. Uh, there's, there's, Naked. believe me, there's, there's uh, no moment for me to shine. I think that's right on. Uh, that's pretty much sure. Well, look, uh, that's it, man. It's those three and, uh, that's it. And there's going to be different levels, but I mean, like I said, I have a lot to say about this and, uh, you know, that's it, man. That's, that's discipleship in a nutshell. Those are the basics and, uh, there's lots of moving parts, but those, those are them. That's what we do when we disciple. And, uh, and, and one of the things I do just to throw you out a little deal is I always take people through first John believer, non-believer, and I just walk them through a paragraph and ask them questions and ask them to, I play Lieutenant Columbo and I ask them to figure it out. And so when I meet guys for coffee and I actually do the teaching part, I, I normally take first John with me. That's in my holster and I pull it out and say, Hey, you know, what does this mean? And we talk that through and that's, uh, that works for me. I dig it, man. I dig it. Well, hey, this has been. Any any final thoughts before I sign this out? Reading is good. Can we start the story now? <laughs> it's from Billy Madison. For all my Billy Madison like fans that. out there. There you go. I like that. That was good. That was good. All right. Well, hey, uh, this has been the Church Planner Podcast from Writing You. If you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 